Francine, bringing you more reviews, recaps, and rants on all your favorite K-dramas. This is Drama Buds, an anime podcast. So hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Drama Buds. First of all, before we begin, can I just say, my rant episode about the ending of part one is now my third most listened to episode. Like, where did that come from? Where did all of you people come from? I didn't even know that that many people watched the show. So say hi if you came from that episode. Crazy stuff. Thank you for finally beating the startup episode out of my top three. Like, thank you. I've been waiting so long to get that out of my top three. Oh, thank you so much. Anyway, this week, this Friday, part two of My Dearest is finally coming out after a month of waiting. And, oh guys, I'm so ready to suffer emotionally. I'm just here for the suffering. But before that, for the benefit of people who don't want to rewatch, here is a full, full, full recap of part one. I'm telling you, it's almost blow by blow. Because that's how invested I was in the first half. I was able to remember so much that when I was trying to condense it, I thought to myself, no, I have to put all of this unnecessary information and commentary somewhere. And so I'm giving it to you so that you don't have to rewatch the first part unless you want to. Because I was very much tempted to, you know, pretend that, oh, I don't recall most of the things that happened just so I could rewatch it. But we have enough self-control not to do that. So basic details on My Dearest. One of the directors worked on The Veil. So that's probably why they cast Nam Gungmin again or they got him again. And the other one worked on Golden Spoon and Joseon Attorney. The writer wrote a lot of other saguks. Uh, Rebel, Thief Who Stole the People and The King's Daughter, Subekyang. And I'm actually interested in watching these two, but that's, you know, let's add that to the long, long list of shows that I have to get to. And it stars Nam Gung Min, who I've watched in Hot Stove League and One Dollar Lawyer, and Anun Jin, who I've watched in Hospital Playlist and The Good Bad Mother. So yeah, sit back, relax. We're gonna be here for a while. We have a lot to talk about. So let's start with the recap. My Dearest is actually not so much based on historical figures, but it's located in an actual historical period in time. So this was set during the Qing invasion of Joseon. So our main lead, Yi Jang Yun, played by Nam Gung Min. He is a mysterious man who has unconventional views on marriage and duty. And he moves into the small village and meets Yu Gil Che, played by An Unjin, who is a maiden who's notorious among the others for being a massive flirt. Jang Yun's past is still mostly a mystery. We know he's been through something traumatic. I mean, he has to be. He is our tortured male lead. <laughs> That's just how it is. But we don't know exactly. But what we do know is that he has lots of connections with other merchants. He seems to be very familiar with the barbarians. Like he can speak 
their language. And he is notorious for being a playboy, for getting close to women and then telling them, oh, he, he has no plans of ever getting married. And Gilche is the daughter of the head of the school in their village. And the other ladies don't like her because she's so flirty and she has all the men wrapped around her finger, except, of course, for one of them, which is, of course, the only man that she actually wants. That's Namyon Jun, played by Lee Hakju. He's like the best scholar among them, the smartest one, the most noble one. And if I recall correctly, like he doesn't have parents. His parents died when he was younger, but they already promised that he would be engaged in the future to Kyung Eun-e, played by Idain. And Eun-e is Gilche's closest friend. Her father is also another teacher in their school, in their village's school. And Eun-e and Yeonjun like each other. So despite all of her schemes to try and get Yeonjun's attention and make him admit that he actually wants her and not Eun-e, Despite all of that, he remains firm to his promise to marry Une. And instead, with all of that, Gilche got Jang Yun's attention instead. And he immediately recognizes that she's different from the other women. She's not like the other girls. But she doesn't take him seriously because why would she? You know, he's a stranger and he's known to be a playboy. While she honestly is kind of similar. Like, girl, you're also a flirt. Okay, this is the pot calling the kettle black. Like, stop judging him for being a playboy. You're a flirt too. And that's why Yeonjun doesn't take you seriously, right? But but no, Gilche is not like that. She's a proper maiden who deserves her dream man. And literally the man in her dreams, she imagines like chasing down the red string of fate up hills and down valleys and through all the seasons. And then she meets him at the end of the string and she can't see who it is. She cannot see the face of the man of her dreams. But she already imagines it to be Yeonjun. Because of course, that's the kind of man that she should want. And then they announce that Joseon is going to war against the Qing dynasty. And the king is trapped in the palace and the people need to come and save him. And Yeonjun leads that charge in their village. He recruits the other scholars, the other young men who are capable of fighting. Because, you know, this is their duty as scholars to Joseon, to the king. And basically every man in the village comes with him. Except for Jang Yun, who, you know, at the very least helped them get weapons and armor for the militia. But, you know, he's not about to risk his life for some king, for whatever ideals of, you know, noble duty that Yeon Jun's talking about. Do whatever you want. He doesn't involve himself in this foolishness. But before he leaves with his two lackeys, Jang Yun tells Gilche, and only Gilche, that's important, that he's going to light the signal if he comes across the barbarians and they're going towards the direction of the village to signal her to run away. Take note of that, that he only tells Gilche, not her father or the elders that he's, you know, been talking to. No, 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 just Gilche. That's the kind of person Jang Yun is. He only cares about certain people, and that will remain consistent throughout the show. Let's put a pin on that. Okay. So, yeah, eventually Gilche sees that signal and they all start to evacuate. But as they're running away from the barbarians, Gilche is separated from her family, from the rest of the villagers. And she's forced to run away with Une and their two maids, their two servants, one of whom is pregnant. And in this moment, episode 4, this is when I fell in love with Gilche as a character. Because when no one was able to step up, 
when, you know, her maid couldn't do it. And Une, the moment she sees blood, she passes out. Gilche was the one who was crafty enough to, you know, hide their tracks, help them find a cave to hide in while Une's servant was giving birth. It was Gilche who, you know, saved Une from a barbarian who was chasing her down and about to assault her. When they're about to be attacked again, when you think this is the end of the road, Jang Yun shows up and he's not a coward. He's not a fool. He's a very capable warrior. He doesn't want to join Yeonjun's stupid expedition to try to save the king. And in this camp with other refugees, they find Yeonjun badly, badly injured. And basically everyone from their village dead. Everyone who came with him died. But Yeonjun, oh, I wanna, wanna punch him in the face all the time. But Yeonjun still wants to join this general's troops to make his way to the palace. And, you know, with Gilche there, still pining after Yeonjun, and Une essentially engaged to this man, treating herself like a married woman already, Changyun is basically obligated to come with Yeonjun and join another general who's making their way to the king. You know, while this general is talking about the plan to attack this small troop of barbarians, you know, he's talking about dying honorable deaths. And like, what kind of motivational speech is that to your troops? Talking about death already. Why aren't you talking about how to win? Why aren't you talking about our strategy so that we don't have to die? And so Jang Yun steps up and suggests a strategy so that they can ambush the, the barbarians. And after that strategy succeeds and, you know, they didn't have to go out there and die honorable deaths like idiots, one of the crown prince's advisors was actually watching and was actually with that troop. And he comes with Jang Yun and Yeon Jun, takes them to the king, takes Jang Yun to the crown prince, and Jang Yun is sent into the camp of the barbarians with Ryang Um, his very, very loyal, I don't know, sidekick. Let's put a pin on him. He'll be important. Anyway, those two are sent into the barbarians' camp because they can speak their language and they can pretend to be slaves. And eventually, they get closer to the Khan himself and to the head general, who is very suspicious of the two. He's important. And Chang Yun finds out that there's this island that he told Gilche would be safe, would be completely safe. The barbarians would never touch this place. And it turns out that's the exact place that the barbarians want to invade. And then one of the soldiers who came from that island already after they had attacked it was holding the dagger that he gave to Gilche. So he recognizes this and that he got this from a dead woman. So, you know, Jang Yun kind of freaks out and joins the, the group of barbarians who was about to chase after the survivors who were able to escape from the island. You know, just in case maybe Gilche was alive. So let's jump back to Gilche. So in that island, in the middle of running from the barbarians, once again, Gilche is my girl. She notices that the royal guards are carrying this baby. They're protecting this baby. And in a crucial moment, she swoops in, takes the child, and runs to the boat of the royal guards who came there trying to save the crown prince's son. So that's the son of the crown prince that she's holding. And, you know, she's running from the barbarians on horseback, shooting arrows at her. She's risking her life because when she gets to that boat, she uses the baby, you know, as a bargaining tool to help her and Une and their two servants get on that boat because none of the guards were going to let anyone on it because they were saving it for the child. Oh, Gilche, so smart, even in time of crisis even when you're about to be shot by arrows and another moment that kills me inside is there was this woman you know telling them please just take my child just save my child doesn't have to be me just save my child and Gilche stabs that woman 
to force her to let go because the barbarians were about to come. She stabbed this woman, condemned her and her child to death while they were able to sail away, watching all of those people get killed, watching the women jumping off cliffs because they'd rather die than be defiled and assaulted by these barbarians because at that time, like, chastity was at a premium. And it's just devastating. But she had to do what she had to do. And that's who Gilche is now. So they get off that island, they're back on the mainland, and that's where Jang Yun and the group of barbarians that are with him are waiting to kill whoever survived that initial attack. So Gilche and the girls, yeah, they get chased down by barbarians, but when they get far away enough, Jang Yun swoops in and starts killing all of the, the warriors that he came with. And when Gilche had that gut feeling, that wait, something feels off. How come no one's chasing us? Uh, something in her tells her to run back to whoever was, you know, fighting the barbarians, holding them off for her. And when she gets there, she sees Gu Wanmu. So the officer, the royal guard, who initially was about to abandon Gilche and the girls because they got the baby. You know, we don't have to save these people. But he also decides to come back. He finishes off the last of the barbarians. And he is who Gilche sees, surrounded by, you know, a circle of dead bodies. She doesn't see Jang Yun. And Gu Wanmu doesn't correct her, doesn't say that he was just finishing the work someone else that he didn't see and so Gilche believes that he saved her life meanwhile Jang Yun is watching that interaction badly injured and already developing the first signs of a smallpox infection because that infection was spreading around the camp of the barbarians and at that point the war ends over. Great. Everything's gonna be so peaceful. We can just go straight to the romance. No more stressful stuff. Just the typical pacing of like an angsty melodrama. You know, no worries. Well, well, well. You thought. So the war is over. Yay. Gilcha and the girls go back to their old village and she's reunited with her siblings and her father who was so traumatized by the war and by seeing his best friend, Una's father, dying, you know, sacrificing himself so that the others could get away. He's so traumatized that he couldn't recognize Gilche. And he was still looking for her, asking for his daughter, even if she was right in front of him. And Yeonjun is rewarded for his bravery and he becomes an officer in Hanyang, in the capital. So Una, being an orphan now, moves there to be with him and asks Gilche and her family to move with her. Because they're essentially each other's family at this point. In Hanyang, Gilche and Jang Yun meet each other and, you know, they pretend that they're not extremely happy that the other person survived the war. You know, they're still doing the push and pull and you think, oh, so this is gonna be the rhythm of the relationship from now. Okay, I can handle that. <laughs> you thought. <laughs> because Gilche is still pining after Yunjun, And because Jang Yun knows that her feelings won't change yet, he joins the crown prince in going to Shimyang, into, like, uh, into the territory of the Qing and Zhang Yun says that you know he's willing to wait for her he's even willing to marry her even willing to go against his whole being unmarried thing if he survives this trip to Shimyang and if that's the only way that he can be with her he'll do it and they kiss and right before Zhang Yun leaves with the crown prince he and Gilche meet one more time and he says to her that if she tells him
him that she would forget about Yeonjun, that she would never think about him again, she would not love him anymore, even if she was lying about that, Changyun would decide not to go with the crown prince. He would decide not to leave and possibly die in a land ruled by the Qing. But Gilche won't do it. She won't just say it. She still thinks that Yeonjun is her dream man. But you know, based on how she acts around Changyun, that she's starting to doubt that. That Changyun is creeping into her heart, but she's not sure. And Changyun, oh, Nam Gokmin's acting in this one scene. He just says, like, you're cruel. And he leaves. And we're gonna go back to this moment later because it's gonna hurt even more when you hear about everything that happens next. Okay. So, you know, Gilche goes back to her life and she watches as Yeonjun and Une get engaged. But Une has these doubts about deserving him after after the war, after she felt defiled by the events and by the barbarians who nearly touched her. Nearly touched her, okay? Nothing happened. But Gilche is the one who reassures her that, yeah, nothing happened to her, that of course she deserves him. And she watches them get married. And that is true. Like, Une still is a very pure, kind person. She is still somehow that girl from the village that they left. But Gilche has changed so much. She has done some cruel, unspeakable things to survive. And, you know, she recognizes that maybe she was still holding on to Yeonjun and liking Yeonjun because he reminded her of that past, of when she was just a pretty girl in the village who everyone wanted, but she only wanted him. I mentioned this in my rant episode that, yeah, I felt like Yeonjun kind of symbolized her innocence before the war. And now she's just not that same innocent girl who knows nothing, who has only her shallow problems and can cheer herself up by looking at herself in the mirror. She's not like that. She has seen some terrible things during that war. And looking at Yeonjun and Une, she's not hurt by seeing them being happy with each other. So it was actually possible for her to forget Yeonjun and move on from him. Now going to Shimyang, Jang Yun trades with both the Qing and the Joseon people because he can translate for them. So, you know, he's he's doing well there. But remember that general who was close to the Khan, who saw him and Byangum and was already suspicious of them? He sees Jang Yun, he catches Jang Yun doing business and, you know, now suspects that he's been a spy for Joseon all along. So I forgot the political stuff that happened here, but essentially Jang Yun gets out by working with the barbarians to round up the prisoners that were able to escape. So back in Joseon, people hear that some people from Shimyang are coming back. And if you don't see them, maybe you'll see their belongings because, you know, they would collect the belongings of the dead. And so Gilche doesn't see Jang Yun, so she looks for his things and finds this hair ribbon that she gave to him. And apparently that's a thing that when a woman gives a man one of her belongings... It's like a a lucky charm for him to come home. And so seeing that, she thinks he's dead. And that's her fault because she could have lied. She could have lied and said that she would forget Yeonjun. And actually, it came true. She was able to forget Yeonjun. She did move on from him. She could have just said that and saved Jang Yun from this death. But she didn't. And now he's dead. And that night in her dreams, finally, finally, the husband in her dreams turns around and it's Jang Yun. And it's just devastating to think of that, that you could have saved this person. They were asking you to save them, to stop them from doing this. 
sense. But out of her own stubbornness and because she just wasn't sure, someone died because of her. Someone that she possibly could have loved. Someone that she now believes is her dream husband. And you think it's sad, but things get worse. So Yeonjun refuses one of the king's orders and he's arrested. So Une and Gilcha's family are evicted from his residence. And just so she could feed her household, Gilcha arranges a way for them to get bronze coins from people because actual food and goods are now more valuable than, than coins. And so they, they turn bronze into bowls and they trade it for rice. And it's inappropriate. It's unseemly for a noble woman to be so involved in work and manual labor and trade. But Gilcha doesn't care. She doesn't care if she looks filthy and disgusting to other people. She will work. She will trade. She will polish those bowls herself. And a lot of stressful things happen. But eventually, the scheme succeeds and Gilche is able to do business not only with, you know, the other people in the market or the noble women, but also the Qing, who are significantly richer than the people of Joseon. And she's able to feed her family and all the blacksmiths were doubting her plan. And Gilche got this idea of trading with the outsiders and not just with the Joseon people from Jang Yun, who is an excellent businessman, right? He was the one who told her that. She was even able to use trading to get Yeonjun out of prison. And in this small arc within episode 9, we see how Gilche is becoming more and more like Jang Yun. Or I think more accurately, she's starting to exhibit what Jang Yun saw in her. That Jang Yun has always seen this quality in her, this resilience, this intelligence, this cunning within her. And that's what he liked about her. And that's why he was attracted to her. Because yeah, other you know maidens in the village wouldn't have had the wits and the cunning to do all of this or the courage even to let go of her image as this proper maiden and just work to survive. Now, remember Wanmu, the officer who lied and said that he was the one who killed all those barbarians to save Gilche when actually it was Changyun? Okay, we're back to Wanmu. He owns the smithy that Gilche was working with. And they get close, and of course, all this time he's like Gilche, so he proposes to her. And Gilche at first, you know, just laughs him off, rejects him, but he asks her essentially something that Changyun asked before What is it about Yeonjun that I don't have? And so for one move, he's asking, what is it about Jang Yun that I don't have? Because, you know, Jang Yun is dead. Who are you waiting for? Back then, she was waiting for an engaged man, someone who was, would not choose her over the person he promised to marry. And now she's choosing a dead man over someone who's right there in front of her. And later, one Mu lies again about being the one to save Gilche from those barbarians when she sees a scar on his back. And that scar, I remember this oh, symbolism moment. In one of Gilche's dreams about her dream husband, she saw this bloody scar on the back of her dream husband before she saw his face. And, you know, seeing that scar in real life in the same position must feel like a sign that actually Wonmu is your dream husband. But just so you know, Jang Yun was slashed in that exact position in that battle. So Jang Yun really is the dream husband. Just so you know. And additionally, even more layers to this decision that Gilche made. She sees Ryangum coming back to Joseph. And Gilche, you know, asks him, like, what happened to Zhang Yun? Uh, how did he die? And I forgot exactly how the conversation went. But essentially, he does not inform her that actually Zhang Yun is alive and is about to come back to Joseon. Because Liang Um is a very queer-coded character <laughs> who possibly is in love with Zhang Yun. Or if he's not in love, if we're not interpreting it in that way, he's so loyal to Zhang Yun and so close to him. 
and loves him deeply and wants him to be happy and he thinks that he knows what will make Jang Yoon happy and what will be best for him and he thinks Gilche is not that. So he won't help them meet each other. He won't help them end up together and so he won't tell her that actually Jang Yoon's alive. And after all of that, the end of episode 9, Jang Yoon comes back to Joseon looking for Gilche and immediately he sees her and finds out that she's getting married. And when he confronts her and says, oh, Oh my gosh, wanna punch him in the face when he said, you know, you really can't live without a man, huh? Oh, Jonghyun. Got everyone's blood boiling. I get it. I totally get it. Because, of course, we have seen everything that Gilche has been through. Obviously, she's not just jumping from one man to another. Like, she's been through a lot. And this is a very stable man who has helped her, you know, survive this difficult time. And supported her and is there for her. And she can survive on her own. She can live without a man. But would it be so wrong to ask for support after everything she has done just for the sake of her family? God, Chang Yun, want to punch you in the face. Anyway, eventually he finds out from Gilche's maid that actually she was waiting for him. But when Liang Um didn't tell her that he survived, Gilche decided to accept the proposal. And so finally, Jang Yun, you know, confronts Liang Um about that. We'll see how their relationship changes in part two. And after some more arguing and some more admission of feelings, finally, Gilche agrees to run away with Jang Yun. She just succumbs to it, to the desire to just escape from all of this and be together. When she went back briefly just to say goodbye to her father, you know, who has been looking for her all this time, right? She realized that how will her family survive without her? Who's going to lead them and protect them? Not just her father, not just her siblings, Une, their servants. There's so many people who are counting on her. And she couldn't leave them behind just to be with a man that she loved, who honestly is not very dependable, who could vanish and leave once more. Like it's happened before, it can happen again. He's always said he wanted to stay unmarried, right? How could she trust that suddenly he'll change? That suddenly he will really be all for her? So she stays. And when Jang Yun's been waiting for long enough and realizes that she's not coming, he comes back to Hanyang and sees that she's laughing and smiling with her family with Wonmu. So that's who she's chosen. That is the life that she has chosen. And he leaves for Shimyang again. And we get a time skip two years later. We see him capturing escaped prisoners again with a masked lady that we saw in the first time that we saw him doing this. And she's played by Lee Chong Ah. So we obviously know that she's important and she will be important in part 2. And that's the ending of part 1. That's why everyone was screaming at the end of episode 10. So, how are we all doing? <laughs> I told you it would be very detailed. But see, that's all you need to know from part one. That's everything that happened. I mean, I gave my comments and my thoughts throughout the whole recap. But of course, I have some general uh, comments about the show so far. So I have to say, like the first three episodes, I really struggled with it. I was barely watching it. And then episode four kicked in and it's like, whoa, it went straight to emotional devastation. Characters doing the most desperate things to survive. I was in. I was so hooked by episode four. And something that I've loved about the show ever since then is that 
the status quo keeps changing. One episode, it's peaceful, and then the next, it's stressful again. And I like that. I, I like that it keeps me on my toes, and that I'm always concerned about what would happen to the characters next. I love that. I love being invested in the characters and wanting them to be happy and to be safe, but knowing that, you know what, this is not a peaceful time. And what matters is that I care about them being safe. I care. That's hard. Mm, I've been struggling with investment for a long time now. And finally, I am invested in characters again. Mm, I don't know where I mentioned this. I think in my currently watching episode or something. But I mentioned before that I was not super sure about the main couple yet. That I wasn't sure about their chemistry. I just wasn't sure as of the first few episodes. And that's especially because they started out with insta-love. Like, you know, immediate attraction and then they feel something but they won't act on it. Which is good. I'd prefer that they take their time in that way. But yeah, you'd ask yourself, why do these two characters even like each other? Why is Chang Yun, you know, so willing to risk his life and his principles for her? Why is Gil so moved by him? Like, what, what's drawing these two characters together? It's insta-love. There's no, like, emotional bonding necessarily that started this. But, you know, as the characters develop, you do see that they have a lot of similarities. But definitely at the start of the show and the first few episodes they were not mature enough to have met in the middle and then had like a proper relationship and who knows when they're gonna get to that point when they're finally gonna communicate oh that's another thing that you just have to deal with the miscommunication or the lack of communication it's gonna happen a lot it's an angsty melodrama i mean i just give it a pass uh, what else? In my recap, I gotta say, I don't remember a lot of the politics in the historical context that was going on. There are long stretches of, you know, the the courtroom and the king and the advisors. And they're just talking about, yeah, what's happening politically. And it doesn't, you know, directly involve our leads. So I don't care. And it's boring. It's not fun to keep up with it. Feel free to answer this in the Spotify question box. Uh, for those who skipped the political scenes, did you feel like you missed out on anything? Anything, or were you just able to follow along with, you know, how it inevitably affected our deeds? Because, yeah, thinking about how I wrote this recap, I could tell the complete story without ever mentioning what was happening to the, the king and the crown prince and the Khan. But, you know, the added historical context, because it is based on real history, on what actually happened during the Qing invasion of, of Joseon, it is interesting. Yeah, how they portrayed that and how that trickled down and affected our leads. Aside from that, something you also have to put up with, aside from the long political stuff, is uh, Jiang Yun is, uh, I would say, everything everywhere, all at once. <laughs> he can do everything, he's good at everything he does, his schemes almost always work, and when Gilch is having an emotional moment, Jiang Yun is just suddenly there to hear it and to watch her be vulnerable and get rejected by Yeonjun again and again and here to, you know, rub salt in her wound and offer himself as a better option. He's always just there. I'm sure there are other logical leaps that you have to make in this drama, but for me, it's that. It's Jang Yun just being there all the time. So convenient that he's always there when it's time to have an emotional talk with Gilche. But whatever, I can put up with that. I can wave that away. What matters to me is that they as characters are consistent and I understand why they act the way that they do. There's more to explore with Jang Yun. We're still kind of in the dark about what really happened to him in the past. And I think he has daddy issues. I think it's rooted in daddy issues. 
still don't exactly know why he worked with the barbarians so much, why he speaks their language. I'm pretty sure we'll get there, you know. But yeah, Jang Yoon is very Superman, Gary Stu, can do everything right. Except for getting the girl. <laughs> and oh, Gilche. Oh my gosh, Gilche. I've spoken in my rant episode about how much I love her. I don't wanna, I don't need to repeat that. Go listen to that. But you know what? A new comment on Gilche. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but she kind of reminds me of Tanya from Arthville Chronicles Season 1, specifically, right? When I described their character arcs, they were, you know, in a simple village life, living peacefully, and then they're torn from it because of war or colonialism, and they struggle to survive, and they do nasty things like kill people or put a curse upon people, condemning their their children and their children's children, saying that their blood will form a river. Cruel stuff. They work themselves to the bone and do anything to survive. And in a way, Gilche leading that blacksmith is kind of like Tanya discovering her power as a priestess. They're both able to find their footing somehow after suffering so much. Yeah, I think that's why I love Gilche a lot. Because her journey reminds me of Tanya. And according to the teasers for part 2, my girl is not done suffering. Oh, oh, I worry about you all the time. Expectations for part 2. Let's just get into it. Well, I expect to be miserable. Mm, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited to suffer week after week. That's all I want. I want to feel something, man. Even if it's frustration. Even if it's misery. Yeah, I'll take it. You know what? Actually, I could not have expected anything that happened in part 1. I could not have expected even half of what these characters went through and experienced and where this story went in the first half. So you know what? I don't even know what to expect in part 2. I'm just hoping that, you know, eventually they communicate. They're happy for at least, you know, three episodes. Let's give them three episodes and then they die. <laughs> or someone dies. One of them dies. But okay, if we're placing our bets, definitely sad ending. I think it's a sad ending show. And you know what? Just take me along for the ride. I won't be mad at it. Because that's just how these kinds of shows work. And I've never really, have I really gotten into any like sad romantic sago? I, I don't think so. And that's why I'm really into this. I hope after this show, I develop a greater appreciation for historical dramas and I'm able to watch more of them. I think this has revived kind of my love and appreciation for melodrama. I think this year I've, kind of reconnected with my appreciation and enjoyment of melodramas. So we'll see, but part two, bring it on. Come on, make me miserable. I'm here for it. So that's it for me today. I hope this recap is helpful to anyone who, yeah, does not want to rewatch the first part anymore. My expectations are so vague because truly, I, I cannot even begin to try to anticipate what will happen. Loki, I want Ichonga and Namgungmin <laughs> to have a romantic something something. Yeah, let's make it spicy. Let's make it difficult for the viewers to choose. But to me, still Gilche's story. I'm actually really glad. Okay, side comment. I'm really glad that this is not just another Namgungmin showcase as most of his dramas are. Because of course, Namgungmin is honestly one of my top actors now. 
Like, I'm so sure of his abilities. He's really, really, really great. I'm glad that as a character and as an actress, Gil Chen and Anun Jin, they're shining. It's really her journey that I'm so invested in. And Anun Jin is, oh my god, she's more than killing it. Yeah, I really just love this drama so much right now. Currently number two in my rankings for this year and I'm just hoping it stays there or you know what? You know what? It has a chance to be number one. Although moving is number one and moving is a 10 out of 10 drama. So that's uh, that's kind of a brick wall. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I can forgive like the slow start of the first three episodes if yeah, the rest of the second half just blows me out of the water and you know gives me brain rot and destroys me body and soul i'll take it tell me in the spotify answer box uh what do you want to see in part two of my dearest what are you hoping for what are your thoughts on the first half and yeah um greeting you a happy my dearest part two premiere week it's back and can't wait to stream on twitter with everyone (laughs) so that's it for me today thank you so much for listening and i will see you soon